And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with me today is Dr. Liam Gulliger, Senior Minister of Historic 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. Dr. Gulliger, it's great to have you with us today. Thank you very much. Good to be here. You know, before we broach our topic today, which is about preaching, uh, just a quick note here. Uh, I was reading a little bit about 10th Presbyterian and learned that it was founded in Philly in 1829. What I liked a lot was that it has a list of long pastorates, men of God who have been there for very long, and some of them were familiar to me, Dr. Barnhouse and James Montgomery Boyce, and most recently Philip Riken, now president of Wheaton. I think it's a good thing for a church to have long pastorates, if at all possible. Dr. Gulliger, uh, it seems it'd be a wise thing for us to review preaching. You suggested it. I love the idea. And uh, it's kind of like the, the fundamentals of what really holds a church together for the long haul. Uh, at least that's my opinion. But maybe you can help us understand uh, more about preaching, if you would. Well, I think uh, in the modern church, preaching has had a bit of a, do- a bum rap, really. And I think it stems probably from a misunderstanding of where preaching fits uh, theologically and, and also in terms of the Christian life and uh, getting the gospel out to the world. So I could uh, describe how I see preaching, where it fits. I think it fits into the doctrine of Scripture, for example. Um, we believe the Bible is God's Word written. And when we say God's Word written, very often we forget that what we're really saying is that God talks, that God is a speaking God. But from the very beginning, in Genesis 1, we find that God is a communicator and that he communicates in words, not necessarily in actions. He never really communicates in actions without also communicating in words, his words describe his actions, his words explain his actions, his words describe who he is and explain why he does what he does. So God, the God of the Bible, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus is a speaking God. And the Bible, which was given to us, was not so much meant to be read as meant to be heard uh, the ancient Israelites gathered together on their great assemblies, and the law of Moses, first five books of the Bible, were read to them. The prophets, all of their ministry was actually a verbalized, vocal ministry. They, they spoke, and others wrote down what they said, or they themselves went and wrote down what they had said to the people. Um, and similar in the New Testament, Jesus preached his words were spoken and recalled by the disciples and written down for us so that we could hear those words read to us. And the Apostle Paul, in his letters, frequently asked that his letters would be read to the churches. And when, in the, at the end of his ministry, in, in First and Second Timothy, he's talking about the ongoing work of the church, he he talks about the Holy Scripture as combining both the sacred writings of the Old Testament, as we call it, and the apostolic writings. 
And he says the Holy Scripture, combining both of those elements, what we now call Old and New Testament, are profitable for the Church for exhortation and teaching and building up the body. All of these words are spoken words. This is this is how the Bible is profitable. So, Holy Scripture ends in preaching. Preaching is the is the end towards which God has given us uh, His Word in Scripture. The preaching of the Word of God is the Word of God. It's God speaking to His people using a human voice. And the only the only difference really is that rather than looking at them in a page, you're hearing a living voice speak to you on behalf of the living God. What preaching is important for in the life of a church is is for us learning that the God that we worship is a God who talks and a God who lives. And in this living voice I'm listening to, I'm hearing God's word re-articulated, re-spoken into my life and... uh, and I'm getting to understand something about the nature and character of the God that I worship. So, there's my first reason why I think preaching is absolutely vital in the life of the church. It's because God talks. He talks in Scripture. And insofar as the preacher sticks to the Bible, preaches the Bible, expounds the Bible, lets the Bible talk for itself, insofar as he's doing that, God is talking to his people. We are hearing him speaking through a human voice he created in order that he could communicate with his own people. So, so preaching really is tied into the doctrine of Scripture and how we understand Scripture and what Scripture is for. The Bible was given to us primarily to be preached and to be heard by the people. I think the second thing I would say is that the office of preacher in biblical terms, is analogous to the office of a prophet in Scripture. Now, I say analogous analogous to rather than the same as um, prophets are prophets. We don't have prophets in the, new, in the biblical sense today in the Church. They receive the word straight from God. The, the Holy Spirit worked in their hearts so that what they said was, in fact, God's word. It was really God's word. It was direct. They got it firsthand from God and gave it to the people. Uh, Peter says, holy men of God spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But the preaching role is analogous to the work of the prophet in in that we do a similar thing. We, we get the word from God and we re-speak it to the people, except whereas a prophet got it firsthand, straight from God's God's mouth, as it were, we get it secondhand through them, written in Scripture. And insofar as I am faithful to the Bible, what I say is the very Word of God, and, and part of the role of the preacher to the church is to address that prophetic word the word of Scripture, address it to the people of God in the context that they're in. And that involves applying it to the church, uh, just as 
prophets spoke to ancient Israel, which was the covenant people of God. So I have to speak to the covenant people of God. The people who are there in church in front of me are are God's covenant people. They may be believers, they may not be believers, uh, because they may make a profession, but they may not possess salvation, and I can't distinguish one from the other, so I have to speak to them the Word of God, knowing that that Word will sift, challenge, sanctify, teach, build up, correct, or do a whole host of things like that, in order uh, to at the end of the day, sift the wheat from the tares, be the means that God uses to build up the body of Christ. And that prophetic element in proclamation is very closely linked to the activity of preaching itself. One of the words for a preacher in the Bible is the word herald. The herald proclaims the message that's been given to him. The herald, in a sense, has no message of his own. He has nothing to say in his own right. He's the representative of the king. He passes on the king's message to the people. He calls for their attention. He tries to get their attention. He tries to make it clear to the people that actually, listen, they should be listening up because this is the king's word. This is the king's message. It has authority. Uh, You better not uh, ignore it. You better not despise it, you better not reject it, you better not disobey it, because this is the king's message to his subjects. And and so when the preacher's preaching, he can address all human beings, because all human beings are the subjects of the king, who is the one king overall, and that is, that is God. But, but particularly, uh, it addresses the covenant people, the people who are in a covenant relationship with God. God is the great king who's entered into a covenant relationship with his people on earth. And he has things that he has to say. He wants to say to them, God's covenant people better listen up. <laughs> uh, so uh, I think there is an element there for and that affects the way you preach. I think preaching has become very conversational. I think in the last number of years it's become much more dialogical, not that there's anything wrong with that, to some degree there's always been an element of dialogue in preaching. A, a good preacher isn't just reading his, his lesson to the, to the people, he's not just reading a manuscript to people, he's, he's dialoguing with them, he's looking into their eyes, he's seeing whether they're listening or not, whether they're sniggering or not in the background, whether they're distracted, whether they're getting bored or they're being diverted by something, he's... He's interacting with those people sitting in front of him. He better be looking at them, and he better be getting their attention, and he better uh, be responding to what he sees, because if he doesn't respond to what he sees, he's going to lose them, or uh, they're going to lose their souls if they don't hear what they need to hear. So there's always a dialogical element, but I think increasingly that has had an effect of changing the tone of preaching from proclamation the conversation, mm. and uh, and that that what suffers on in that is that increasingly there's a loss of a sense of seriousness about what's being said. Uh, now, I'm not by doing that saying there should not be humour. That I use a lot of humour because I, I'm just kind of a funny guy. I mean, it, some people don't find my fun funny, but that's uh, a matter of taste. 
but but I think I think a preacher has to be themselves. I mm. think you you have to let your own personality be the means that God uses because He gave you the personality in the first place. I was going to ask you quick. Um, you're yeah. you're speaking to the congregation; they're listening. What would help the the hearer to prepare himself or herself to really hear what the preacher has to say? I think coming coming to a service with a sense that uh, God is going to speak to me today, and I think two things: one, praying for the preacher, and praying for the preacher in a sense not only that the preacher would be true to the text and that the preacher would be faithful to the message, but also that the preacher would not keep them from hearing what he had to say. In other words, if you're, if you're a member of a local church, you have a minister who preaches to you regularly. You may like him, you may not like him. He may have idiosyncrasies or you may know something about his children that makes you feel a bit cynical about the minister or whatever, and, and you need to be praying that when you come, what you want to hear is the Word of God and not to allow your, your particular feelings about the minister or the preacher that you know so well to get in the way of hearing the Word of God. Mm. And I think, on the other hand, uh, I think we should be praying in preparation for preaching about those things which we may not want to hear and which might be addressed from the mm. pulpit. Mm. Yes. Um, because I, because I, I do think that it's true to say about going to church and listening to sermons that there are some people we don't want God to speak to us <laughs> through. And there are some things we don't want God to speak to us about. And, yes. uh, we, those are the two areas we have to cover in our prayers before we get there, mm. so, so we can forget the personal life of the preacher in a sense. Uh, and, I, and that does not necessarily mean some major great big moral sin. I just mean that you can just, if you're in a local church and you have a small company of people there and you know the minister well, and uh, he can be irritating as all guys. You, you know, <laughs> you maybe just don't like that. And so you have to be prepared that God may use the minister the way he used Balaam's ass, <laughs> Balaam's donkey, <laughs> as a vehicle. Um, and, and I'm always encouraged by what it says in the, the, the church, the Anglican church, the Episcopal church, is such an article that, that God can use an unregenerate man and still the word of God is the word of God, even if it comes through a regenerate, an unregenerate, uh, yes. unconverted man, you know, it's still the Word of God. That is very true, and um, well, you've been talking about a couple of things here, uh, how that God talks, He communicates to us in words, um, and we hear a living voice speaking to us, um, communicating as a herald His words to us, and um, one other quick question I had was, um, and this could be rather humorous, as a minister, do you do you notice when people are listening versus not listening, or perhaps even have have dozed off because they're tired? <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, I think the that depends really on which style. My style is very kind of I'm affected by the people in front of me because yeah. they're they're in front of me, and I have a relationship with those people, so I notice everything. I see everything. 
and uh, <laughs> and I know the people who are nodding off and who <laughs> and there are some people and they just I, mean, I think of one man that I know who's a very busy doctor and I know that Sunday morning that poor guy gets the only rest he's going to get and he gets it in my sermon and uh, <laughs> Uh, they say that some people talk in their sleep, and then there are people who talk in other people's sleep, and a pastor is somebody who talks in other people's sleep. So uh, that's, uh, that's okay, you know. It's very interesting. And actually, you know, sometimes there's, one, there's this one guy who does that all the time, obviously. and yet when he's going out, he says to me, that was a great sound today. <laughs> and I think, really? That's good. <laughs> Glad oh. you got that <laughs> subconsciously. Well, today we're talking about preaching. On the phone line with us is Dr. Liam Gulliger, the senior minister of historic 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. And um, you've been talking about how that God talks. We hear him. Um, the preacher is analogous to the office of a prophet. Um, any other points that you would want to make um, regarding preaching? I, I really found it interesting when you talk about how that um, we've kind of failed in a way. We, we've become more conversational when we really need to have the preaching, essentially. Any other points that you would want to encourage maybe uh, fellow pastors uh, about? Yeah. I, um, one, of the, uh, one of the sub kind of subsequent issues is the relationship between preaching and the church or the doctrine of the church. And especially the doctrine of the church gathered uh, in what we would call to historically worship. And the idea would be that preaching actually is the high point of worship because in worship we, we're coming into the presence of God and God is addressing, addressing us and we're responding to that. And... Um, I think the New Testament uses the analogy of the assemblies of Israel, which you find described, uh, especially in the books of Moses, um, Exodus, and Numbers, and so on, where the people gathered together to God. They gathered at the mountain, and uh, while they were gathered, Moses would come down from the mountain, and he would speak the word of God to the people. Interestingly, the New Testament word is the word for an assembly. It's uh, the word for the gathering the gathering out of the world, the gathering together of God's people, and they're assembling to him. So I remind you that what happens Lord's Day by Lord's Day is that we are gathering to God. Here we are, God's covenant people, gathering to him. We're, we're at the heavenly Mount Zion now, as Paul, as uh, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12. We're gathering with angels and archangels, they're there, though we can't see them. We're gathering to the host of redeemed that are already around the throne. They're there, though we can't see them. But Sunday by Sunday, that's where we are, at the, at, the, at the bottom of Mount Zion, not Mount Sinai, gathered to God. And it is the minister's role to speak from that throne, the throne of God, the Word of God to the people of God. And I think that if we had a if we had a greater sense of what it is to be assembled with God's people. And ministers are responsible for teaching the people what it is we're there to be and to do. Sometimes the people come Sunday by Sunday and they 
we assume they know why why they're there, but actually a lot of the time they don't know why they're there. Mm-hmm. They don't really know why why this is any better than the Bible study group. I mean, if they're just there to study the Bible, well, actually Sunday morning isn't about studying the Bible as such, even though there's a lot of Bible teaching. Sunday morning, it's not a Bible study. You are, you know, you're being addressed by God. You don't do that in a Bible study. You're, you're doing the work. You're studying the Bible together, talking about it together as a, as a group, going over it and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would make a very clear distinction between a Bible study and the preaching mm-hmm. of the Word of God. Good distinction. I'm looking at the clock. We have about five minutes left. I'm interested in, in um, if, if you're willing to share with us um, your your experience, a personal testimony, if you will, of uh, how was it that God called you to to be a minister of Word and Sacrament? Um, my first my first inclinations towards business of being a preacher, I think, came listening to my grandmother tell me stories of preachers that she had heard uh, over the years, describing what they did, describing the ministry they had. And uh, my grandmother had a very high view of the office of preaching, the work of preaching. And um, she described people who came to Glasgow in Scotland, where she lived. And one of them, by the way, was Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse, who's a predecessor of mine. Oh, yes. And uh, I think she gave me this idea that preaching could be better than anything I'd heard up to that point. Mm. And uh, and I remember, I remember my, when I was about 11 years of age, my father took me to this youth event, and... At this youth event, they were showing a Billy Graham film, and it was one of the old Billy Graham films, because I'm old now, but it was old then. And, uh, <laughs> and it was, so, so it was, it was the younger Graham, okay? And the younger Graham's very dynamic, very dynamic. And, uh, and I listened to this guy, and I thought, ah, no, you see, that's how you preach. <laughs> then there's somebody who's really going for it, you know, and, so uh, I had this idea in my head that if somehow or other you could tie, I was only 11, by the way, tie exposition, which I'd never heard, and they do, and that kind of dynamic delivery of, of the Word of God, that that would be, that would be my ideal preacher. That was, that was really how I started. <laughs> think. So at 11 years of age, I went down to a local library into the, ad, the adult section, and I got out a pile of books and I just started reading theology. And I read everything I could. Uh, I went down to the market and bought second-hand books and I read all of those things. I discovered Puritans. I discovered uh, earlier Reformed writers. I, I read my Bible. I became Reformed just by reading my Bible. I, uh, I didn't know anybody else in the world that was that who was alive, there were lots of dead people that I knew about who <laughs> believed what I believed, but I didn't know if there were any living people. And, and, and I, I read everything I could, and I started practicing preaching in the fields behind our house. And mm-hmm. I just came to listen, and they were actually the most responsive congregation I've ever had, <laughs> uh, to be honest. Um, and and actually the best behaved. I never had any discipline problems at <laughs> congregation. Uh, the 
Uh, and I didn't get to preach to real people till I was about 15. Mm. And what, uh, what amazed these people, by the way, in Scotland was that when, when I did preach, I had a North Carolina accent. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> uh, but I very quickly got over the Billy yes. Graham accent and, uh, and developed my own. But, um, so, so really, it, it, it was a passion, and I would do it everywhere. I used to preach preaching in the intermission in a dance hall or I'd preach in the, on the street or wherever I got the opportunity to, to preach, I took it. I just would do it anywhere, to anybody, at any time. Mm. Um, but I combined that with really serious study yes. of Scripture so that by the time it came to choosing where I went to seminary, I, I already knew where I wanted to go in terms of what they taught. Yes. Because I already made my mind up what I believed was biblical. Yes. So. This is fascinating to me. I, I really enjoy hearing all of this. Um, we're just about out of time. If if someone would want to contact you, um, ask you a question, certainly they can do it through the ministry here, the radio ministry, but is there a web address or email address that you would like to direct them to? Yeah, I think if you write to L. Golliger at tenth.org. Just L. Golliger. Okay. One word, tenth.org. Tenth.org. Yeah. Okay, good. Got it. And we will include that. We we post this broadcast up on our website as a podcast, and in the mm-hmm. little write-up, um, we'll, we'll include that there also. So if somebody okay. wants to contact you, they may do that. Um, my guest today has been Dr. Liam Golliger the Senior Minister of Historic 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. Dr. Gallagher, thank you so much for sharing with our listeners um, a lot of insight about preaching. We, we appreciate it very much. Thank you. And to our listeners, please join us next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.